You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. How we doing, church? How we doing, church? I'm just waiting for the rest of the y'all to catch up because a few people here today. Well, good morning. We are so glad that you're here. And man, it's been a powerful morning as God's just been working in our midst, even from the moment that we even started kind of preparing for you to be in the room today. Um, hey, you heard, of, uh, you saw an awesome video. How cool was that story about our Thanksgiving meal from last year? Can you celebrate the way God is using families in our church to connect to communities? Maybe this is your first Thanksgiving season at Vintage. Maybe today is your first time. If today is your first time, welcome. Uh, if you never come back, we love you. But we want you to know that there's a church here. And if you're looking to, for a place to find a home, we hope that this will be it. Stop by that White Connections tent on your way out. Let us get to know you. Let us meet you. Let us give you a free gift for worshiping with us today. But Thanksgiving season is an awesome time. Um, because we get to go into the homes of people in our community that we otherwise would never be able to. And show them the love of Jesus. And so you might think we're delivering meal. I think we're, I think we're distributing hope. Um, because I think just, and it, you know, it's not about the food. The food, you saw the, the testimony with, with Daniel and Holly and Brian and Casey. The food was awesome. But the fact that somebody in this community cared enough to engage a family that other people would prefer to overlook, that's a game changer, church. Come on, that's a game changer, church, right there. So we're going to do more of that. We partnered with schools the first year. We did this several years ago. I think we fed like 12 families this year. Probably we're going to feed over 300 families in our community because of your generosity. So don't forget as you go out today to grab a box and follow the instructions that you heard. And let's get ready to go. And go ahead and mark your calendars. That Tuesday before Thanksgiving, if you got to work, quit your job. If you got something else on that calendar, mark it out because you want to be a part of that delivery process so you can experience the blessing that you heard about this morning. Uh, today, we are in part three of a series that we're calling Thrive. Will you give Casey Harris some love for just bringing an awesome word last Sunday, man? So good. Um, I hate not to preach, but Casey, and I heard some people coming to me out of church asking me about cheeseburgers. I was like, what are they talking about? Um, so yeah, thank you for everybody who said that. And, uh, I'd punch Casey in the throat, but that's a scary kind of thought right there. And uh, he would crush me. Um, no, he wouldn't because he loves me. But today we're in part three of a series called Thrive. And, and we've kind of pitched this as a marriage series, but I hope that you're learning that we're teaching principles that not only go to the marriage relationship, but that can impact any relationship. Amen. Like these are biblical principles that whether you're married or whether you're single or whether you're going to be married one day or whatever position you are in life, we're learning things from God's word that are healthy things for us to learn about relationships in general. And God wants us to have thriving relationships. He, he created us to live in relationship, but especially the marriage relationship. The marriage relationship, the husband and the wife, is the most sacred human relationship God ever created. It's the first human relationship. You ever notice God didn't put a son and a daughter or a, son, a mother and a daughter or a son? He didn't create parents in the garden. He put a husband and a wife. And I think that was to demonstrate the priority of the marriage relationship to humans. You with me? And so we're looking at God's word because the goal of marriage is just not to make it through it till you experience the sweet kiss of death. <laughs> right? The goal is not just to, to, to make it to death without divorce. 
God wants your marriage to not just survive. He wants it to thrive. He wants it to thrive. And he's put a lot of things in his word to help equip us because a thriving marriage doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of work and intention. And so what we're doing is we're looking through biblical principles to help us find out, all right, how do we get to this place? What do we need to learn? What do we need to apply to our lives that will help us have a thriving marriage where we are? Or maybe if you're single and one day it'll help you have a thriving marriage before you. See, some of y'all are single and y'all get a chance to do it right from the beginning. Some of us are in it and we're trying to fix it. But you get a chance to make some decisions and some commitments and, and, and commit yourself to God's way before you ever walk down that aisle and say, I do. And save yourself some of the scars that some of the people in the room already have. Amen, church? And so don't ignore the series and think, well, I ain't getting married in a whole lot of years, so I just won't listen. That's just stupid if you do that, okay? Let's learn some things. Because you know what? I'm really tired of watching marriages fall apart. Jasmine said something in that video that was very poignant, that healthy families make for a healthier community. The only way we can have healthy families is to have healthy marriages. So if we want a healthy community, we need healthy families. If we're going to have healthy families, we have to have healthy marriages. And you know what? I've sat in front of people so often where it was just heartbreaking to watch what was happening in homes. I read, I read this verse of Scripture a couple weeks ago, and I want to read, read it to you. It's from, it's from a Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 18 and 19. It says, Let them come quickly and well over us till our eyes overflow with tears and water streams from our eyelids. The sound of wailing is heard from Zion. How ruined we are. How great is our shame. We must leave our land because our houses are in ruins. And those, those words at the end of that of verse 19 just kind of jumped off. the Our houses are in ruins. And I'm tired of watching houses end up in ruins. I'm tired of, of sitting before two people that at some point they loved each other. Unfortunately, almost on a, on a weekly basis, we get calls from couples who are in a really, really bad position, and they're struggling, and basically they're, they're on the thread of divorce. They're on the, on the brink of separation, and when I sit in front of these two people, and I see the anger and the bitterness and how visceral they're at, and they could just attack each other, I'm thinking, what happened? Because at some point, y'all loved each other. There was a day when, when you stood before your God and, and family and friends and y'all was smiling and your teeth was all pretty and your nails was all dead and your hair looked great and he was there too. <laughs> and it was a day of joy for the most part. It was fun. You went on a hunt. And, and it was a season where these two people were passionately, deeply in, in love with each other, so much so that they stood and made a commitment to be together for life. And now here they sit before me, and if she had a blade, she would cut him. And he may not hit her, but he would shake her for a while if he could. And it's just ugly. I mean, I, and I always have that same thought, like, how did we get here? Like, how do we get to this place? Like, there was some point when you guys looked at each other, and it was a beautiful thing. And it made you feel warm and fuzzy. And there was something beautiful about your relationship. And now here we are, and like, you can barely stand the sight of each other. 
And all you can think about is, what are we going to do with the kids? How are we going to tell our parents? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do next? And every time I sit down and have that conversation, I keep asking, that question, how did we get here? And the sad part about it is, is almost every time I thought, this could have been avoided. Come on, you with me? Say amen, church. Let me know you're awake. Like, we didn't, like we, we're here, but we didn't have to be here. And, 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 and unfortunately, most of the times by the time you're calling me, it's been going on for so long. And it's been broken for so long. But because maybe you thought you could fix it by yourself, or maybe because your pride wouldn't let you send that email or pick up that phone, you let it continue to break and break and break and break to where it's going to be so much harder to try to keep it together. So can I just go ahead and say to you, if you're here and you feel like your marriage is breaking, your first step towards health is asking for help. Your first step towards health is asking for help. And if you're here today, and as soon as I said that line, God put something on you, because you're thinking, well, we're not that bad. Don't wait for it to get that bad before you call somebody. You with me, church? Say amen. Don't, don't wait for it to get that bad before you reach out for help. Your first step towards health is to reach out for help. But as we prepared for this series, and, and I began to just, Think about all the situations that I've sat down in front of. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, if, if, if you really need help, you don't want me to be your final destination. I am not, I'm a preacher. I'm not a counselor. Those are not the same thing. Because when you come to me, I'm just going to tell you what you should do. That's not counseling. And so, but I'll tell you what I, I will do. I will walk with you. I, something hit me this week. As a pastor... It's not my job to fix your problems. It's my job to help you carry them. And I will help you carry them to the right place that will give you the help that you need. And we have relationships with people who are awesome at coming alongside of you to help you find healing and restoration in your marriage if you need it. We are just a phone call or an email away. And there's somebody in the room today that needs to take me up on that offer. And when you get home, before you get out of this room, you need to go to the app or you need to go to our website. And you need to shoot an email and let us come alongside you and help you walk towards healing and restoration. But in every one of these situations, this is what I've discovered. There's a lot of common threads. Yeah, every couple's different. Every situation is different. There's a lot of differing variables. But what I began to look at, what I began to see is I analyzed these, all these different relationships and all these diff different marriages that I've seen come apart at the seams. What I began to notice was there were three or four things that were common in every situation. They played out and they looked different based on the couple, but there was four specific things that I've deemed as the recipe for divorce. And I just want to walk you through them today. And if any of these four things are things that you're doing, you're destined for ruin. And so I want to walk you through them. You ready to dive in? Say amen. Number one, get reckless with your routine. Get reckless with your routine. Here's the reality. The best chance of your marriage making it is you being healthy. Everybody agree? Say amen. 
The best chance for your marriage to make it is for you to be healthy. I tell our staff all the time, the best thing we can offer another person is the healthiest version of ourselves. Your your best chance of having a thriving, healthy marriage is for you to be healthy. If one or both of you are unhealthy, the chances of your marriage being healthy is absolutely impossible. And I mean holistically healthy. And here's the reality. Your health is a product of your habits. Come on. And the problem is you can't have good habits when you get reckless with your routine. When you start being reckless with the way that you're going about life, when you're starting to take on more than you can handle, when you start making really bad trades, you start trading God things for good things and good things for selfish things, and when you start living in a reckless routine that gets you living at a pace that no longer allows you to give your marriage the priority attention that it needs, it will eventually wreck your home. Thank you. Got one. It will. And man, I know we're in a culture that kind of lives that way. But man, I watch so many people, they get so reckless with their routine. They start building, putting things into their lives that, that are, are frivolous and fruitless. And, they, and those things start taking over God things. To where your routine becomes more about kind of what you want, what you think you need, not what's best for your marriage. You begin to take on more responsibilities than you can handle. You begin to get your hands in more things than you have the time to manage. And when you get reckless with that that routine, you get out of the habits that keep you healthy. You end up unhealthy, therefore your marriage ends up unhealthy. And I see it all the time. Because when we get into a a reckless routine is one that no longer allows God room to work in your life. And we're living at a routine where we're not absorbing enough of God. Come on. Where, you know what, let me tell you something. You've heard me say this, you've been in our church very long. If the only God you're getting, if this is the only thing in your routine that is spiritual, you will never be healthy. So like if the only thing that you have in your routine that's growing you spiritually is when you happen to show up here for maybe an hour and 10 minutes every week, that will never be enough. That's like eating one meal a week and expecting to survive off of it. That's good preaching, Brett. Tell me y'all trying to live off one meal. The only meal that you're getting is in here. And you say, well, Matt, I'm busy. You're busy will bust your marriage. Be busy, bust your marriage wide open. We start living at this reckless routine. And here's the thing, you know, because here's what happens. To be healthy, spiritually, emotionally, physically, you have to have a disciplined routine. Everybody agree with that? Amen? Amen. Like to be, to be healthy physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you have to have a disciplined routine. There's things that you have to constantly be putting in your life. You've heard me say it a thousand times, like you are a sponge. Whatever you absorb, when life squeezes you, that's what's going to come out. And you have to be disciplined in absorbing the God things. And when we get reckless with our routine, and and there's the thing. It's things that we didn't intend to be reckless in the beginning. It was good that we got him involved in sports, but now it's taking up seven days of our week. It's good that you have a hobby, and it's a release for you. But now you're not married to your hobby. You're married to your spouse. Keep being married to your hobby, and you'll have plenty of time for that hobby. 
And the reality is, this, this doesn't happen in an instant. I very rarely watch people just jump ship with God and just move on all at one step. What happens is, and the enemy knows this, it's slow and methodical so that you don't even realize it's happening until you look and you realize, I thought I was supposed to be over there. Because you begin, you begin baby-stepping away from the routine that keeps you healthy and strong and spiritually grounded because little by little, life begins to demand more and more and more of you. And the next thing you know, because you haven't set priorities, because you haven't been paying attention, because you haven't been in- intentional with your time, you've drifted farther from God than is going to be healthy for you in any arena of your life. Come on, church, talk to me this morning. And see, it's easy to do because, like, that's, we think we got to keep up. We let, we let the world and culture define what our routine is supposed to look like. That's their routine, and it's made them successful. That's their routine, and they're doing all these things. And so what we end up doing is we tend to drift into the pattern that the world is showing us we need to live in or telling us we have to live in. Like, I have to work 70 hours a week. I have to do this. I have to be involved in all these things. I have to be super mom. I have to make all this money. And the next thing you know, we realize we forget what Paul, I mean, what, uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Paul said, don't follow the routine that you see everybody else doing. You want to get the results that everybody else is getting? Do what they've been doing. You want something different? You want something better for your marriage? You want something God-ordained for your marriage? Break the pattern. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Can I ask you a question? Are you reckless with your routine? Are you trying to live at a rhythm that will eventually lead to ruin? If so, you need to make some changes. And I notice what you're saying. Matt, there's so much out of my control. I can't do all that kind of stuff. I didn't say it was going to be easy. It's not going to happen overnight. But if you are being reckless with your routine in such a way that your routine is keeping you unhealthy, your marriage is unhealthy, and it's only a matter of time before it's in trouble. Reckless with your routine. Second thing is this. You want to ruin your marriage? Focus on your feelings. Focus on your feelings. Most times I sit in front of people who they're completely being driven by their emotions. You know what I don't see in Scripture one place? I don't see a single place in Scripture where God says we can allow emotions to be the driving force behind our behavior. Not a single place. Now, a single place does it say, like, how, whatever you feel, just do it. If you're mad, be mad. Let that anger turn you into a raging, crazy person. And somebody's like, that's what she is. <laughs> do not amen. Somebody amen, I think. Uh-oh. Whoop. Like, that's, I'm telling you, anytime you get to a place in your life when your feelings are the primary driving force in your life, it is very, very dangerous. And if we are walking in step with God, if we accepted Jesus and the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in our lives, the only thing that should be driving our behavior is the Holy Spirit. We don't ever get to be or have to be a slave to our feelings. 
And so often I'm watching marriages be broken apart because the feelings are what's driving them when it's supposed to be the Spirit. Remember this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say to you, walk by the feelings you have in the moment. That ain't what it says. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. In other words, your feelings and the Spirit will come in conflict. And if you let your feelings win over the Spirit, you're in a dangerous position. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, all throughout the New Testament, we're reminded that, hey, because of the Holy Spirit in you, like you don't have to be driven by your feelings. But let me just go ahead and say this. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel what you feel. I've seen people sit behind and, and like the anger was very justified. The hurt was, I'm not, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I am in no way trying to dismiss very valid, justifiable feelings that you're having. I'm not saying you can't feel that. What I'm saying is God's word says that feeling can't take over your life and control your behavior. You can't change your feelings, but you can control your behavior through the power of the Spirit. It can't just always be driven by your feelings. It can't be about feelings all the time. Because when you let your feelings be the determinant of the health of your marriage, man, you're in a messed up place. That's another thing, you know, couples, you ain't going to wake up every day feeling all in love. I hear people say all the time, we just fell out of love. Like it's a hole you can fall in and out of. We just fell in love and we just fell out of love. First of all, you misunderstand that, that the scriptural kind of love that needs to exist in marriage is not a feeling. It's not some emotion that can come and go. It's an active, powerful, God-inspired force that drives you toward one another. I tell you what, there are days I know my wife does not feel love for me. Come on. There are times when I know I do things and the feelings that are coming from her are very evidently not love. Because <laughs> I'm not the easiest person to live with. I can, hey. <laughs> I can be a jerk. I can be impatient and demanding. And I know in those moments... We're not going back to when we met in college and she had all them butterflies. Because she had them, trust me. <laughs> but I'm reminded that that's, we don't run on feelings. See, that's one thing that maybe couples don't, some, one day you wake up and you're like, I don't feel what I felt when we were dating. Duh. And if you've got to have that, if you've got to possess the feeling in love, to practice the actions of love, you're not being led by the Spirit. You're being led by your emotions and your feelings. And love is this active, powerful thing. You hear, that, you hear that, those scriptures read all the time, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is this. 
And it sounds all beautiful, but when you really dig down to the nitty-gritty of that verse, what he's saying is love is active and powerful and difficult to sustain. And it's not some weird, funny emotion. See, like, if you're, if you're waiting to act in love, to have that feeling the first time you had when she walked in the room and there she was. And first of all, that probably wasn't love. It probably started with an L, but it was not love. But 1 Corinthians 7, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. It what? Always. Always. Do you see that word? That's the word. Always. It doesn't say, this is how love acts when love feels like love. It says always. Now, even when I don't feel that, that feeling of love, that because we've committed to each other and we love each other and we are, we're growing and we're transitioning and we're moving and there's things happening in our lives and there's some days that we're not our best selves. That we still always protect, we always trust, we always hope, and we always persevere. See, if you want the kind of marriage that's going to thrive that God intended, you can't focus on your feelings. You can't let your feelings, even though they may be very justified, be the driving force behind your behavior. If you do, it will eventually ruin your marriage. Get reckless with your routine. Focus on your feelings. Number three, the third one. Stick to your secrets. You want to ruin your marriage? Keep hiding that thing that you need to reveal. I've watched secrets bring down more marriages than I can count. That something was going on, something was done, something was said... And even though deep down in your heart you knew that your spouse needed to be brought in the loop and that conversation needed to be had, you pushed it to the side and hoped it would go away. And here's the thing you say, I don't have to tell him. I don't have to tell her. It's not that big a deal. Can I ask you a question? If it's not that big a deal, why are you hiding it? That's why I wish I had a camera on me so I could you see my eyes. If it's not that big a deal, why are you hiding it? Because here's the thing, that thing that you're hiding, like my grandma used to tell me, your sins will find you out. My grandma used to catch me doing everything. <laughs> everything. And everything she said, Matthew, your sins will find you out. Well, I'm sorry, Grandma, but don't tell my mom did. See, Jesus, in a different context, but still the same truth, Luke chapter 12, verse 2, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. You think, nope, I've been hiding it for five years. They'll never know. Keep telling yourself that. And if you would have had the conversation five years ago, the chances of it destroying your marriage were a lot less than it will be when it comes out two years from now. It is like the rat that dies under your house and you don't find it forever. It's going to stink everything up. But if you can get it out now... It's potential to bring you down. Confession is always better than concealment. Because things are going to come out. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13. Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper. Whoever conceals his transgression will not thrive. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Proverbs 10, 9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways 
crooked will be found out. Stick to your secrets, and it will ruin your life. Because here's the intimacy and secrecy cannot coexist. Intimacy and secrecy cannot coexist. And if you want the intimacy that you're supposed to have in your life, as long as secrecy is present, intimacy never will be. Secrecy destroys intimacy. Transparency builds intimacy. And one day you're going to walk in and they're going to happen to see that email. Your phone's going to be in the wrong place and they're going to get an eye of that text. And the trust that you've built over a lifetime is going to come crashing down in a moment. And oh, dear God, social media. Some of y'all need to go home and delete Facebook off your phone. Because your high school sweetheart is now sending you messages, and that ain't good. Come on. Some of y'all, you just need to go get a flip phone and get rid of that iPhone. Go old school, have the Zach Morris big thing with the button. You just need to get rid of it. Take your laptop, set it on fire, get out of there. Matt, that's drastic. Remember what Jesus said? Pluck your eye out, cut your hand off. Like, don't let it bring you down. You think I'm kidding, but I'm dead serious. You know how many stupid things that have happened in people's marriages because of things that were spawned on social media? Stick to your secrets. They'll eventually come out, and your marriage will come down. Get reckless with your routine. Focus on your feelings. Stick to your secrets. And the third thing is this. Put an end to your pursuit. Put an end to your pursuit. There was a time when you pursued her like she was the greatest thing on the planet. There was a time when you pursued him in such a way he felt loved and valued. And then at some point it stopped. Well, well I could do that for now. I married her, didn't I? You're an idiot. Well, I can't change who I am, you know, what I do now. I, I, I am what I am. That was a line from Popeye. He is a cartoon. Grow up. At some point, if you put an end to your pursuit, if you stop doing the things that they need to know that you love and appreciate them, it will have a negative impact on your marriage. When you stop pursuing him, when you stop pursuing her, when you stop doing the things that you used to do that made them realize how special they really were in your life. I remember when my kids were born, I had this thing in my heart, and this is what I've always said. Like, I, I wanted to parent in such a way that my kids never question whether or not their daddy loves them. I wanted to be present, and I wanted to be there, and, and I used to think about that, and God has convicted my heart over the last couple years, that I should have a stronger desire for that for my wife. I don't want my wife to ever put her head on a pillow at night and ever have to question whether or not I love her deeply and need her in my life. Not a moment. I don't want her to spend a night's sleep ever wondering, does he still love me? And this is what you'll say, oh, she knows I love, oh, he knows. Never assume that the people who need your love the most know they love you, that you love them deeply. Never make that assumption. 
And you know what that means? You're going to have to find out how to love them in a way that makes them feel loved. Because our natural tendency is to give people love the way we like to receive love. Come on. Like that's our natural tendency is, well, this makes me feel loved. This makes me feel special. This makes me feel appreciated. So let me do that for them. And what you realize is that don't work. What it takes, it took me a long time to learn this. So let me, if you're not married, I'm going to, you owe me $5 after the service when I give you this. Find out what makes them feel loved and have the courage to consistently do it. Because you know, I find what, what, makes my, what makes Ashley feel loved is so different than what makes me feel loved. She is weird. <laughs> it's different. And here's the thing. There's things about your spouse that somehow you missed. Now, you've been married for years. And it's been there the whole time, but you've been too stubborn or too whatever to see it. You put an end to your pursuit. My parents have been married over 50 years. And you can still look at them and know they're in love. I want people to see, I want you to see me and my wife in public and say they love each other. Even if I got to kiss her on the mouth right in front of Walmart. I'll do it. <laughs> there's, there's a book in the Bible that most of us don't read. And if some of y'all even knew it was there and read it, you'd feel really uncomfortable. It's called the Song of, Song of Solomon. It says words like this. In chapter 1, verse 2, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Now, that's really from a letter that Ashley wrote me last week. <laughs> but she was quoting Song of Solomon. If you read that book, you know... Some people wonder why, why God allowed this book to be in Scripture. Because if you read it, it, yeah, it'll make you turn red. Your face turn red while you're reading it. I think it's to remind us that within the context of the beautiful marriage relationship, God intended it to be a, a passionate, endless pursuit. And maybe the reason, I also feel like pursuit is a product of priority. And so is Passion. And maybe if you're not passionately pursuing your spouse like you're supposed to, it's because somewhere along the way, they stopped being the priority they were supposed to be. They were there for a while. Then you had kids, and they got bumped. Then you got a promotion, and they got bumped. Then you started coaching a sport for your kid, and it bumped again. And then you got a hobby, and it got bumped again. And next thing you know, the reason why your pursuit ended is because you're still pursuing things. It's just not them. You put an end to your pursuit, it'll wreck your marriage. There it is, church. I could point back to every single marriage that I've watched fall over the life of this church. And it was somehow connected to a reckless routine. People got too focused on their feelings and not led by the Spirit. People stuck to their secrets and didn't confess the things that needed to be brought forth. And people ended their pursuit and stopped making that spouse feel the love they deserve and appreciate. Can I ask you a question? Are any of those in your life present right now? 
when I said those sentences, did something did alarm did an alarm go off in your spirit? And you think, well, we're fine, but I see right now that we're getting a little reckless with our routine and we need to tighten some things up. Or, you know what, I'm being driven too much from my feelings because I'm busy and I'm tired all the time and all this stuff's happening and and I'm so angry and I'm so frustrated that there's something, you know what, that you've been saying it's not a big deal, but on the way home today you need to have a really hard conversation and bring this thing to light and start dealing with it and allow some healing to happen. Or maybe, you know what, for the first time in a long time, you need to pursue your spouse in a way that makes them feel loved and valued. Would you close your, head, close your eyes, bow your heads with me? Psalm 127.1 Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the marriage, you labor in vain. Maybe it's time to have some really hard conversations and have some time of prayer. And so in just a minute, Matter of fact, would you go ahead and stand with me very quietly, reverently, rise to your feet. And the band is going to lead us in a time of worship. And this is not time for you to think the service is over because God wants to do work in your life this morning. And maybe you need to grab the hand of your spouse. Or maybe you're single and you need to come pray some prayers for your future and allow God to move in your life. Nobody's judging you if you and your spouse come down here because they got their own stuff to worry about. But as we worship, will you do some work? Have some time of prayer for your home, for your current relationships or future relationships, and allow God just to do something special in your life. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. Let's let God do work. Father, I pray that right now you do work. That God, that where people need to make adjustments and changes, where people need to allow you to move where they haven't allowed you in the past, God, I pray that you would move right now. Speak to hearts. Do something powerful in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.